0: I bow to the Divine Mother, I bow to her in every manifestation in the world, and I bow to her in you, for you too are the Divine Mother. You, too, are a manifestation of that one whom we are all seeking. But, as I said before, don't let it go to your head. The wave cannot say, I am the ocean, but the ocean can say, I am all of the waves. So that one Divine Mother has become all of you, and each of us is like a little sliver of glass reflecting the sunlight. The sunlight seems individual in each little piece of glass, but it's all the same sun. And so God's light is reflected in each one of us, and each one of us thinks, oh, I am this and I am that, but ultimately it really is he. It's a marvelous thing to understand, though, the variety. Every atom is endowed with individuality. Every ego is that infinite self glimmering in that one little sense of self, and because its energy is directed outward, it becomes attached to the body, And it thinks, oh, I am the body. And when it thinks itself, it thinks the self is the body. But ultimately, it's all he. And we should learn to live that way. When you have Muslims and Hindus writing and fighting against each other, and Hindus and Sikhs fighting against each other, and Christians and Muslims fighting against each other, and all these things in the name of God. And God looks and says, why don't you understand? There's a beautiful thing here. You know, the Master could be very playful with us sometimes and to help us. And so one time, he started a school in, in Ranchi Yoga Vidyalaya. And in the first year, they had 2,000 enrollments. Couldn't accommodate them all. But it was a very popular school. And he desired that... This idea of an all balanced education that would include training children uh, in the ways of spiritual life and uh, character development, not just teaching them how to uh, get a good job and uh, get an MA degree so they can have a higher position and so on, but uh, to to teach them. You know, I wrote a book trying to tune into his principles. It was called is called Education for Life. And actually I was very pleased because some woman was assigned to to write an essay. And uh, this was for her priest who was going to have a big conference of Muslims and Christians in Lebanon. And her assignment was to study the concept of education for life, of training people, children for life rather than just job. And she studied ancient India and China and Egypt and Greece and modern methods and so on. one thing she astonished me with when she came to the end of her book, she said, I've come upon a book by a book called Education for Life. And she liked this the best of them all. And she said that uh, I uh, like this book so well that I want to quote from it. she ended up with the last two or three chapters of her paper was quoting from this book. Well, it wasn't mine. It was my guru's work. But in our communities in America, um, we have these living wisdom schools, as we call them, where children are taught how to live life and not just how to get good jobs and how to become learned. And a doubt that a lot of parents have is, yes, but we do want them to get good grades and we do want them to go on to college and so on. And So in the beginning there was a certain amount of resistance, but now... What they're discovering is that when the children leave there to go to higher grades or to go on to college, all of them virtually become leaders, excellent students, much more successful. In other words, what we're giving them is making them all-rounded human beings, and as that, they can do better at anything. So how I would love to start this system here, because, well, at raunchy school years later, they decided that, well, If we put up a certain amount of money, the government will match that money. And you know, if you give a paisa to the government, they own you. And I remember talking to one of their teachers, their monks, and he said, well, we hope someday to get back to our guru's principles. What a shame they ever got away from them. I would like to start schools like that here in India because that is what is needed. We need to learn how to live. We need to learn how to be complete in ourselves, and the proof of it now that we've been going now for well, I started the first school in, I think it was 1970, so that's 34 years ago, and the living proof of it is that it does work. The children who come out of that are much more integrated, and they, as I said, they become leaders, and they among their their peers, far from sort of separating them from the world and making them devotees and No, it makes them real. So anyway, this is what Master did, what Yoganandaji did when he began his school back in 1917, 1918. His way of training included helping people to work out their own wrong attitudes rather than merely telling them they must change. At our raunchy school, he said, two of the boys were always fighting together. Finally, in order to cure them of this tendency, I had them sleep in the same bed. From then on, it was either constant war or grudging peace. In time, they learned to get along reasonably well together. When I saw they'd become friends, more or less, I decided to try them a little further. One night, as they were sleeping soundly, I stole to the head of their bed, stood silently, And reached down and, rapped one of them sharply on the forehead. He sat up angrily. "Why did you do that?" he demanded of his companion. "I didn't do anything," the other protested indignantly. A few more sleepy words, then both of them lay back again. When they were once more asleep, I gave the other one a smart rap on the forehead. This time, it was he who sat up furious. "I told you I didn't do anything!" he shouted. They were all set to do battle when looking up. They saw me smiling down at them. Oh, they exclaimed sheepishly, you. From then on, they became the best of friends. There's another lovely example of the way he used to train them. He said another boy at our ranchy school liked to smoke. I didn't forbid him to. That would only have made him sneak behind the barn for a puff. Instead, I said to him, smoke if you like, it's all right. All I ask is that every time you feel a desire, come and smoke in my presence. Well, he did, in fact, come once or twice to test me. After that, however, he simply couldn't go on and drop the habit completely. So you see, his way of training people was to accept them as they were, and working from that, rather than standing There, like the great pedagogue or guru or master or whatever, and saying, you should be this or you should be that. He put them through their paces. But what he ultimately did was bring people to that point where they could see one another as friends. This was a very wonderful part of his training, that in accepting our reality, he helped us to accept other people's reality. His was not an ashram where people became self-righteous and looked down their noses. It was an ashram where there was laughter, there was genuine kindness. And this is what we have in our Ananda communities today. One time I said to somebody who was associated with this, but he lived in Southern California, that I could always tell people when they uh, who were a part of a particular organization. And he said, well, I can always tell pe- members from Ananda, too. And I was sort of surprised. He said, well, because I'd always thought of us as, we encourage individuality. We might almost say that we encourage eccentricity, because everybody is himself. And I, I was sort of surprised when he seemed to be reducing us to some sort of particular pattern. And I said, well, uh, what do you mean when you say that? I mean, I was willing to hear him out. But it surprised me. He said, well, they're very respectful of other other people. They're always happy. They always try to see the other person's point of view. And although they have their own outlook, they don't impose their outlook on other people. And they let people disagree with them without feeling that they have to argue. And they respect others. I thought, well, if that's what you mean, then I like that. This is what I believe that they should be. I've been in so many ashrams where It's a little painful, there's so much of the in kind of thing that, oh, he was with the guru, oh, he was with the guru. Uh, Or, oh, the guru smiled at him today and said, oh, he's a special favorite. Master didn't have favorites. He had people to whom he could show more love, that was different, because they could respond with that kind of love. But he was the same to all. And I'll never forget a little change in your consciousness, and he responded instantly to that change. I've mentioned this before, but one time I remember he said something in a talk in in the church with a hundred or more people there, and he said something that I knew was meant for me. And so in my heart, I said, oh, thank you. That's just what I needed. You know, just in his talk, he looked at me briefly, smiled, and went on. He didn't Make a big thing of it, but I knew he knew my thoughts, and I knew that he had been talking to my thoughts. He appreciated the change in everyone. He taught us to be brothers and sisters in God. And so often I have seen people on the spiritual path sort of looking down, sannyasis and swamis and Uh, Brahmacharis looking down on householders, for God's sake, why? We're all children in this one great school of life, trying to learn. And as soon as you have this superior attitude, you have not renounced the only thing you're supposed to renounce, which is your own ego. A a Swami should be more humble than anyone else. Like Swami Ram coming out of that elevator, sort of waddling like a duck with his sweet smile. I remember I asked him later in the day, how are you doing? And he looked with his sweet smile. He said, swimmingly. He was always in bliss. That, to me, is the beauty of real renunciation, where there's no sense of self, just God and God in everybody. That's how Master was. He saw God in all. The more you can be less, the more you will be more in him, that the more you try to be important. There's too much ego in religion, too much thought of, oh, he's worldly and I'm not. Is that religion that teaches you that? Be happy if you love God. It's your great blessing, but don't think that it makes you any better than anyone else, because you can't be. How can one little sliver of glass be any better than another sliver of glass? We are all reflections of the same sunlight. We are all reflections of that same one, And the more we can get ourselves out of the picture, the more when we look at other people, we don't see somebody in relation to us, but see them in themselves and see God in them. As my guru said, God is helping God. God is serving God. The more in looking at others and seeing that God is... is, uh... When I look at a crowd of people in an audience, I think each one of them is God. And I try to talk to the God in each one who is trying to come out. And I see that there's all this obstruction in each one because people have their problems. There may be God there, but unfortunately there's ego also. But all of them are trying in their own little way to find what is the goal of life. There is one goal. Swami Shankaracharya said it. sat eternal bliss conscious bliss ever existing ever conscious ever new bliss that's what people seek when they get drunk that's what people seek when they get when they eat too much that's what people seek when they want romance that's what people seek when they go to beautiful places for vacations that's what people are seeking all the time and they think that they're going to become more important in business and then they they sort of look at uh, their customers and say, well, is he going to cheat me? Is he okay? And they begin to weigh people. You know, it's a sweet attitude to just think they're all gone. And when you see them in that way, the absolutely marvelous thing is that they tend to see you that way. And if they don't let it be, it doesn't matter. God is still there. He's just got a little bit more mud to shovel away before the gold can come out again. But it's all still He. Look at everybody as your own brother, your own sister. You know, I've, I've lived, as this next song, Brothers, says, I have lived that song. I have lived in many countries. I speak many languages. And I have seen that with all the different customs, with all the different attitudes, with all the ego and so on that you see underneath it all, everybody wants the same thing. Just as some people want curry and some people like pasta and some people like apple pie but everybody wants a good meal, everybody wants his stomach fed, and everybody likes his palate tickled a little bit with a nice taste that he's used to, and so everybody wants that divine sweetness, and if you know that, then wherever you go, not only do you see friends, but the beautiful thing is that they see you as their friend, and wherever you are, you become one with them. You're not an Indian looking down on this materialistic culture, you're just a brother and a sister. Let's listen to this song, brothers. Joy to you. I've been in many countries and mixed with many men. I've shared their days of sunshine, gone with them in the rain. The fires at evening said we were brothers, the fires at evening said we were brothers. soldier I saw weeping beside a dying friend. My officers had preached I must hate him till the end. But seeing his grief I knew we were brothers. But seeing his grief I knew we were brothers. A man sat on a To see the children play, the gentle way he smiled there would charm your fears away. A stranger he, but love made us brothers. A stranger he, but love made us brothers. One day I climbed a mountain with friends of other lands used were different, but joy one understands. Our Our gladness in God's world made us brothers. Our gladness in God's world made us brothers. Though words and customs vary like waves upon the sea, one life beneath Who knows himself, knows all men as brothers. Who knows himself, knows all men as brothers. Then brothers, why endeavor to set ourselves apart? The fences we've been building squeeze tight upon our hearts. Come sing the truth that all men are brothers. Come sing the truth that all men are.